Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Marriage Therapy Radio. I'm Zach. I'm here with Laura. Um, today, we're starting a new series, uh, or at least I hope it'll become a series. I have this question about whether or not experts in other fields can teach us about a marriage. Like, what if you were really good, uh, let's say, acrobat? I wonder what the lessons you learned from being an acrobat would tell us about what it means to be in a relationship with one another. Today, we're talking to one of my favorite friends of all time. His name is Ed Rush. He's a real-life, uh, like, Top Gun badass. And um, I just asked him, like, tell me what you've learned about uh, being in the cockpit and what that can teach us about being in a marriage. It's like I said, it's the first and what I hope will become a series. You might call it the pilot episode. <laughs> pilot in it. Um, I didn't even do that on purpose. But um, as always, it's a very cool conversation. Stick around. I want to introduce you, Laura, to my one of my very favorite friends from college. His name is Ed, and he's coming on the show today because we traded. I went on Ed's show. He was kind enough to let me come on and talk about relationships to his um, merry band of entrepreneurs. Um, yeah. I, I, um, I, I want Ed on here cause he's, uh, he's just a badass, frankly. Like, well, I'm always interested in meeting badasses and I'm kind of surprised to be perfectly honest that you have a friend that is still wants to be your friend since college. Did you guys play soccer together? He's very persistent. That's really what it, what it comes down to. I haven't, I haven't seen that I'm side loyal. of him. I'm no? loyal. I'm oh, okay. That's a good way. That's a good way to put that's see, there's always a different word to use. As a marketer, I love that. You can change persistent into loyal. Yeah, I would agree. You are loyal. You've been deeply hurt when I try to break up with you, but you just (laughs) stuck around. Well, okay. (laughs) But But we're still friends. Ed and I did not play soccer together. Ed and I became friends through uh, FCA, which is Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And we um, formed just a connection around wanting to talk through ideas and talk through um, issues of faith and relationships and uh, and then Ed went on, Ed played baseball. And okay. um, the story that I tell myself is that, um, and I was an athletic trainer. That actually might've been it. I was a trainer for the baseball team. You were a trainer. I never knew this yeah, about you. Okay. So my, here's my story. Ed was, um, in center field and lonely and he was looking up in the sky and he saw a plane to fly over uh-huh. and land at the field next to the, or land somewhere else and decided, I think I might want to be a pilot. Maybe I'm going to try and be a pilot. And so he started taking flying lessons and ended up becoming a, uh, what is it? F-18, like a top gun fighter pilot kind of guy. And, um, and that is that when I first heard that from your dad, actually, I learned that from your dad, um, many, many years later, I was like, holy cow, Ed Rush can do anything. And he's proven that he still can. And, um, that's the best bio I have for you, Ed, but do you want to tell us a little bit about you. <laughs> did I tell you about the part where I'm playing on running for president? Oh, you oh, did tell me good. That. Throw it, throw yeah. it in. That's we'll real. That's not even, I'm not even joking about that. I, I, I don't consider myself a partisan person on either side. And I just realized that we need to have a, have somebody who can not be angry about, uh, you know, 
about everything, everything. All yeah, the time. yeah. So, um, but that's, that, that I guess, how, how, what am I supposed to say about the rest of the bio? You got it all right. Everything was right about that. Yeah. Except for the, uh, yeah. except for the lonely part. I, I think I was out in center field. Just it was with me. I, I, I like that. Yeah. yeah you have buddies to your left and to your right. <laughs> it's always a fun conversation in it. I usually end up right at the end. So. Yeah. I love that you were a center fielder. I, um, did you right? know that I played? I was a catcher. I think, I think the story that is, is completely I was completely opposite of a opposite, center fielder. I, I was out there maybe like, uh, catching, you know, fly balls uh, during batting practice or something like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. I was <laughs> a, I was a left fielder and I was quite good at what I did. Just saying. Yeah. I believe I've, I have no self-esteem problems here. <laughs> 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 that part's true. I was um, awesome. So was, Ed, um, I have this idea that I want you to test out with me and Laura actually uh, only learned about this idea last week, but I had this idea that there are things that people can learn in their, in their job that can inform their relationship. Yeah. And sometimes their, their job is they're a fighter pilot and sometimes they're a magician and sometimes they're a chef. Um, and I've heard you speak several times, by the way, Ed is a, a, a prolific uh, business consultant and speaker and author. Um, and that's what he's kind of does. That's most of what you do now. Yeah, that's it. That's correct. That's exactly yeah. it. And um, so what we should do is we should let people know how they can find Ed at the end if they're looking for any of those resources so that totally. you can have an opportunity to kind of share, share your, some resources with them. But hundred well, percent. Yeah. But um, you've, you have three or four stories that I just am mesmerized by. And I'm interested to know if any of those stories translate into your relationship with, with Bonnie. Yeah. yeah. And how long have you guys been married? 17, a little over 17 years now. Yeah. Nice. That's awesome. Um, and you have four kids, girl, boy, boy, girl. Yeah. 15, 13, 11, and two. 11 and two. I would, I would tell people, I do know what causes that. Uh, <laughs> Someone once told me if you're, if you're not, not trying, you're trying. Is that how it mm-hmm. is? Yeah. So, um, that's another story. Oh, that's a whole other show. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So. Wow. <clears throat> Uh, 15, 11, 13, and two, man, you got like the whole spectrum. Unfortunately, you have the preteens, the teens, and then you have your toddler. It's, it's perfect. I, I would, I couldn't have written the script better if I had written it myself. <clears throat> it wasn't exactly part of the plan, but the two-year-old, I mean, she just came in and, um, I don't, I, I, I'll say it this way. I love being a dad when you're a dad. Um, after 15 years, you know, it, you're kind of in between dad and granddad. So I'm 47, you know, and some of my friends like are having grandkids, you know, mm-hmm. and, 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 and grandparents are way more laid back about kids than parents are. Right. So, you know, when you're, when I had my daughter when the first time 15 years ago, you know, they drop that pacifier on the ground and you go through like this massive sanitization ritual. Right. Yeah. And then 15 years later, they, she could drop it in the, in the dirt and pick it back up. And you're like, whatever, it's fine. Have you ever done the move where you're like, oh, let me clean that off for you. And you just throw it in your own mouth and you just suck on it for a second and then <laughs> pop it in their mouth. That's the, that's the total mom and dad move. After I think four that kids. might just be a mom move. I, oh, I've never, really? I've never, that's never even crossed my mind. That's a pro move. In case you're wondering. <laughs> that's a pro move. So, yeah. so it's just such a joy. I mean, I, I, I really, I really am like every moment you just relishing everything. And, um, uh, and I wish I had done that more with my other kids, but you just grow up, you know? So mm-hmm. you're growing up while your kids are growing up, I guess is the best way to say that. But Zach, your question having to do with, so first of all, to acknowledge the genius of the question, 
I used to think the world was a very um, a compartmentalized place. Mm-hmm. There was flying airplanes. There was being a husband. There was raising my kids. There was going to church. There was learning personal development. There was learning how to speak. And like, I was really good at being able to like get into the spot right here and compartmentalize that. And then as you grow older, you realize like life spreads into all the corners. So if you're becoming a better person or a better communicator, well, guess what? You're going to be better communicator with your kids and with your uh, wife. And if you're becoming a more whole person and, and, and more emotionally mature, well, guess what? That helps you on stage as a communicator and it helps you on podcasts, but it also helps when you're like talking to a two-year-old who mm-hmm. can barely speak English, but you're happy to sit there for 10 minutes and have her talk babble to you because you think it's hysterical, you know? So there's, there's those things that sort of cross over. So yeah, as a fighter pilot, you know, so I, I, I don't know if I, we don't have time for me to tell like some deep stories, but you know, I almost killed myself like four or five times. One of those times. I think we could hear that story. You want to hear that? Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll, let me tell you, I'll just tell you the, the first time that I almost died. Okay. So, and, and by the way, all my stories that I tell, I would love all my stories to sound like I was Iceman from Top Gun, yeah. but all of my stories are like, wow, that was crazy how you almost killed yourself. Mm. Um, and so this one, so, so when I went and did my first night carrier landing for, for context, uh, I was in the Marine Corps. I flew F-18s. We trained with the Navy. So I was in Navy training for about three years. And at the end of Navy training, you go to the aircraft carrier, you land on the aircraft carrier. At the end of that, you land at night. There's nine countries in the world that land on aircraft carriers. The United States is the only one that does it at night, to put it in context. The day landing. On, on an aircraft carrier. So yeah, not like only are you landing on this small little strip but on, in the water, exactly. but now you're like doing it at night. Literally, while it's moving <laughs> at 25 miles an hour through the water, through the waves, you know, the decks moving up and down. It, it, anyway, it's the day landings got to be fairly routine, I guess is the word I would use. They're still hard. The night landings are insane. And I asked guys who had thousand or hundreds, hundreds of carrier landings, uh, experienced longtime pilots. I said, do you ever get used to it? They're like, not at night, you know? So anyway, when you go to your first night landing, most of your training for three years, you have an instructor in your backseat. But when you go to your first night landing, you're alone, which I tell people, I don't know why they do that. I feel like it's like a risk mitigation thing. They figure like, if we're going to lose the airplane, might as well be this young student guy. Um, and so I went to do my first night carrier landing. It was, uh, I remember the night, it was July 25th, 1999. And I lined up at about 15 miles behind the USS Dennis, which is right here in San Diego. I was about hundred miles Southwest of where I am right now. And as I descended to do my landing, it was just this beautiful night. The moon was out, the stars were out and everything was perfect except for starting at about 700 feet above the water and ending at about 1200 feet was a very thick overcast cloud layer. And as it descended into the clouds at 1200 feet and now about 10 miles behind the carrier and maybe 300 miles an hour or so of speed, uh, a condition came up, comes upon me, which can only be described as vertigo. What I felt in the airplane was a gentle rolling sensation to the left. Uh, and as all visual cues went away, I started feeling my airplane turn. So what you usually do as a pilot when your airplane's turning is you start to move it back to the right. But as I started to do that, I looked at my primary instrument. That instrument tells me if I'm climbing, descending, turning left, turning right. And according to that instrument, I'm flying perfectly straight and level. At this point, the rolling sensation now picks up harder to the left. As I go to move my stick to the right, I look up at my display again. According to that thing, which I'm pretty sure is broken, I'm straight and level. And then at this point now, in maybe only a few matter of seconds, I feel the airplane violently spinning to the left. 
So basically it's any, everything I can do not to take my stick now and move it violently to the right. As I look at my instrument one last time, I'm faced with a decision whether I'm going to trust my instincts or trust my training, really trust myself or trust what I know uh, that I've been taught. And what I've been taught are three simple words that I hear now in the back of my head as I'm fighting this airplane. And those three words just go like this, trust your instruments that have been taught to me by my instructor and literally been taught all the way since the the beginning of instrumented flight. I can remember to this day, my instructor in a, briefing room on a whiteboard, just saying, look, Ed, they didn't say Ed, my, my call sign was head, head rush. So he said, head, listen, you're going to fail. His head call rush, head. He said, you're going to fail in this airplane a lot, but your instruments won't. Um, these are rock solid and you can trust your instruments. And so battling in the cockpit that night, I really had a decision to make as to who I was going to trust. And that night in almost an instantaneous near life-saving decision I chose to trust my instruments and it made all the difference in the world. Uh, I broke out of the clouds at 700 feet, now going about 200 miles an hour, put the landing gear down, put the tail hook down, put my flaps down and executed literally one of the worst landings in the history of <laughs> carrier aviation. Uh, there's, there are four wires. You're supposed to land in, in between the second and the third one. If you land and catch the first wire, it's a very bad grade and a very short landing. I actually landed so far back that I, I, I sp- the tail hook is metal and the carrier deck is metal. And if you land super short, it sparkles like sparks fly everywhere for like a hundred yards. And I landed so short that the thing sparkled and all my buddies sitting up on vultures row were making fun of me. It's like the 4th of July. It was just a show. But you know what? I was alive and I was so thankful when I landed. I didn't care about my grade. I, I mean, I could have failed the whole thing that in that moment. I was just so thankful to be alive. You know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I was mm-hmm. like, alive. I was so <laughs> thankful to be alive. And I was alive because of the idea of just trusting your training or trusting your instruments. So I don't think I would have been able to, Zach, make that crossover from that concept to anything else until I started to grow up a little bit and realized that concept works for everything, you know, business and life and marriage and relationships and parenting and and everything. Fundamentally, there's a way of doing things that works, you know, and there's another way of doing things that that doesn't work. And one of the reasons why people come to you, Zach and Laura, Mm. it it, it isn't because um, you're perfect at what you do, but because you have fundamentals like trust your instruments. So Zach and I did an interview earlier and he said, he said, one of the lines he likes to tell people is to say, is now a good time? Mm-hmm. is now a good time is a fundamental principle like trust your instruments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, most people don't know how to use that, but once you get with somebody like you, you know, like, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be using that this week. I'm going to be like, hey, is now a good time to talk about the, you know, mm-hmm. it's a great line, but if you don't know it, you don't know how to do it. And so trust your instruments is a great principle, but if you don't know it, you don't know how to do it. And mm-hmm. so a lot of life is implementing things that work and then adjusting behind that, you know? So, yeah. Wow. And um, when, when you, um, when you think about the parts of your relationship with Bonnie that you love and that you're good at, um, do you have an idea of the instruments that you use to like um, sort of guide your, guide your process? Cause you had this um, like, I don't know, like maybe it's curiosity or maybe it's um, compassion or maybe it's just, uh, we, we had talked a little bit earlier about clarity. Oh, 
Oh, you did. did He's so big into alliteration. He just got himself real excited. Oh, really? I just wrote my, I I like alliteration too. I just wrote my, I have a newsletter I send every week called the weekly flight briefing. And in that I wrote this line, I'm going to tell you just because, and while they're, I was talking about the media. I said, while they're busy saying goodbye to the world as we know it, you and I are both busy building a better world. (laughs) Yeah. Felt, felt good coming out of your mouth, huh? Busy building a better. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. what were we talking about? <laughs> I was just oh. asking you, like, because I'm I, just I, avoiding all the questions about my marriage, basically. That's all. That's mm-hmm. fine. I, but I, I want to make it really clear. Like, I have a lot, I have a deep, deep respect for you as a husband and as a father. Like, I've gotten to watch you do that uh, really well and grow in that area really well, even through some difficult times, like that we have talked about in the past. But I, I want to just, sort of applaud and ask and allow applaud and allow. Okay. And, rain it in, rain it and in. Ask what is it that, what is it that works for you? Like what's, what's working? That's good. Thank you for asking it that way. So first of all, I mean, everybody's a work in progress, right? So the, so the, here's where the fundamental, here's where the breakdown is between the analogy that I shared and, and, and like the real life marriage, which is an airplane is actually fundamentally a very simple thing. There's airspeed altitude, Angle of attack. He did it again. Rate. I, I mean, what's that? Airspeed, altitude, angle of attack. I made, I, dude, I'm the, I started with, so, so, um, so the thing I love about airplanes is it's, it, you put an input in and you get the same response. If I move the stick to the left, the airplane moves to the left. If I pull the stick back, the airplane goes up. If I push the stick forward, the houses get bigger. If I pull the stick back, the houses get smaller. If I put the rest, push the red button on the stick, all the houses disappear. You know, it's very, it's very binary. Right. <laughs> and, um, and, 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 and the, and the crazy thing about, about relationships, not just marriage, but relationships is, you know, like the moment you have it figured out, you're like, Oh, mm-hmm. I have this. I've, I say this, then like the moment you have it figured out, all the rules change again. Mm-hmm. And that is because emotional maturity is like a, like a, spiraling staircase you know you're always seeing things from some perspective but the perspective always changes as you as you spiral your way up so in one sense there's fundamentals that like work for a while and then you mature into a new set where the old rules don't work but you know the things that do work i'll tell you some of the things that we do really well so i'm entrepreneurial i've got several different ventures going at any given time my wife primarily um, is a school teacher to our kids and manages everything else for us. I'm talking like rental properties and, and, the, and all those other business ventures that we do. One thing that we're really good at, I tell you, we, we have challenges in a lot of different things, but one thing that I, I'm very pleased at how we do is we're very good at being in our lane. Mm-hmm. There's things that I do very well that I'm in charge of. And basically I'm like, here's how it's working. And there's things that she does really well that I'm aware of, but I don't put my fingers in. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't get into how she teaches math to my 11 year old. She's amazing at that. I'm halfway decent at math too. I'm happy to pitch in and help everyone's well, but that's her lane and she's responsible for that. And she's awesome at it. So we've, we've managed to buy, I wouldn't say by mistake because there was some purposefulness behind that, but we managed to find like, here's what you're really good at. And here's what I'm really good at. And we, we do focus on our strengths because I've got some weaknesses. So does she, but we, we maximize those, I think in terms of, the way that we operate. So there's, there's one. Yeah, cool. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to give you another one. Um, and I'm going to call BS on, um, of course you're, you're, we did this accidentally. Um, 
because you, you're, you're really purposeful. And one of the things that I love, one of your stories that I love is about how you got better and faster as a pilot, um, by on Friday nights, you wouldn't go out, you would go into the, the simulator. Tell us that story. Yeah. So, uh, so I went, I did, I did my carrier landings and then I went to my first squadron and for some context, what Zach said about me is fairly true in the sense that I've always been able to pick things up fairly quickly and learn things and really become good at the things that I've done. So I went into the Marine Corps kind of on a whim, frankly. And then I went to boot camp. I finished first in my class at boot camp. I went to the infantry school, finished first in my class in infantry. I went to ground school. I finished first in my class there. I went to flight school, in, basic flight school, first in my class, intermediate, first in my class, advanced flight school, first in my class. Then I went into the F-18 and I showed up at my squadron. Um, okay. How do I say this? Super <laughs> prideful. Like you showed up cocky, arrogant. I honestly, I was like, there's, they, they, they've never seen anyone like me, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I, I, for real, like, was, that, I, was that in your head? Like, Oh, you've never seen anyone like me. I don't think I said those exact words consciously, but I remember thinking I'm a really good pilot. And, and I was by the way, but, but, but how lucky, but was, how lucky I'm, for them to have you in your presence, in their so, presence. But I was like a really good, if you know how baseball works, you know, you have like single a double a triple a and the major leagues. Yeah. And I just showed up at the major leagues as like this amazing double a baseball player. And I'm like, you guys should have seen me in double a, I was amazing at all these home runs. And then you're in the big leagues and the big league guys are like, so what? So welcome the to the deal. big leagues. Yeah. So there's 18 pilots in a normal squadron and there's two rank structures. Rank structure. Number one is like Colonel, Lieutenant Colonel, major cap, like the normal rank structure that exists mm -hmm. everywhere. But the real rank structure is who's the best pilot. And we do these dog fights, we fight against each other. And, and you know, there's no like, there's no board that says this guy's the best and this guy's the second best, but everyone knows, like literally, you know, that guy's the best pilot. And in my squadron, the best pilot was a guy named Snake Dalton. Literally, that was his call sign. Coolest pilot I'd ever seen. And, um, and when I showed up, I started getting beat. And I mean, beat, beat. Like I'm talking like, when you're getting beat, you're looking behind you a lot because there's airplanes shooting you. And I'm, this is my helmet right here that you guys can see it because we're on Zoom. But I'm looking with this helmet out of the back of my cockpit and flying an airplane looking backwards is hard. Try to drive a car looking backwards. So what are they so shooting just, with? Simulated missiles. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we shoot in training. We shoot simulated missiles because, uh, to sh because it would be bad for morale if we shot the real thing. It would be. It seems... <laughs> It seems like that'd be an expensive venture. Computerized missiles. Oh, wow. I had some friends. I had some pilots that I would have liked to have had the real thing though, but um, <laughs> simulated computerized missiles. So the, the F-18 computer is quite good at figuring out who gets shot. Anyway, so I was the worst. I was the worst. You know, it's like you thought you were good and then you realize you're awful. And, and that, that like cold water on your face splash of cold water is jarring for somebody who's had so much success along the way. And I'm like, well, that's it. I, I've reached the end of my success. I finally got Peter principal graduated above my station or whatever, but I'm like, either way, I'm not going to get beat all the time. So what I started to do is I started to go over to the flight simulator building. They've got these simulators that are computerized that you can just practice over and over and over again. The problem is to get in there, you have to get scheduled to get scheduled. You have to have a certain rank. And I was like the lowest, ranking guy, so I can never get scheduled. 
And that building was open from nine o'clock in the morning to nine o'clock at the night, Monday through Friday. Always booked out, completely scheduled, except for one slot every week, which is Friday from five to nine. Because on Friday from five to nine, most fighter pilots are at the bar. They're not in the simulator. And so what I would do is I'd schedule myself on Friday from five to nine. I'd get in the cockpit, close my eyes, and I would find the location of every single switch without, being, without having to look at it. Because I knew the F-18 turns at about 60, 70 degrees per second, which basically means in three seconds, you can turn completely around. Dang. Super fast. Uh, and it's a super hard turn. But what that means is if you make one decision three seconds faster than your opponent, you win. Or if you make three, sec- three decisions one second faster than your opponent, you win. So I knew if I, if I could just save time by not looking where my switches are, I could save like a second, I could win. And then I started practicing perfect turns. And the F-18, a perfect turn is 307 knots. That's not 305, not 310, 307. Boom. And I would practice these perfect turns and I would do it over and over and over and drill it over and over and over again. And in three years, I went from the worst guy in my squadron to the number one instructor in the entire Marine Corps for one against one dogfighting. Three Wow. And the point that I always teach people is, you know, a lot of times, especially in our world today, we're looking for like a magic move. You know what I mean? Like that's why late night infomercials work so well. Yeah. You just plug this thing in, put it around your waist and you're going to lose like 10 pounds with the magic. <laughs> and you see the guy with the like six pack abs and you're like, maybe I should try this thing. Well, you know what? If you want to have a good waistline, you got to do some sit-ups and like not eat as much, you know? Mm-hmm. And, 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 we, and, and the principles in our culture right now, the fundamentals, people don't, people don't, um, everybody wants this magic, magic move. And you can have a couple of little magic moves, but even the magic moves find themselves in the fundamentals of the actual business. And when I really, really honed down on the fundamentals, what I realized is all I needed to do is make a decision one second faster than my opponent. Actually, mm-hmm. I needed to make the right decision one second faster than my opponent. Next thing you know, I'd win all the time. And I ended up winning all the time. Like literally every single time that I fought, went from losing to winning, went from last to first, not because of... I was the second coming of Iceman, but because of the implementation of those fundamentals. Okay. So I want to draw some parallels that popped into my mind as you were talking about this and specifically with men. And I have found that like with your circumstance going in, figuring out, I I was top dog. I thought I was doing okay. Not only was I okay, but I was the best. And now I'm the absolute worst. And I find that in marriages, when husbands feel knocked down, broken, criticized, like they're not showing up, they're not enough, that their instinct is not dig in and work harder. The instinct is to pull away and withdraw Mm -hmm. from the relationship and lean into areas where they are good. You did the opposite. You leaned into when you weren't good enough and you just figured if I practice, 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 practice. I was an athlete growing up. So were you, Zach. And it was all about the muscle memory and figuring it out for yourself. And it was all about the hours that you put in and consistency. So I'm thinking, number one, some lessons to be learned from this is if you're feeling broken, if you're feeling beat down, if you're feeling discouraged, lean into the hard things and practice, 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 rather than pulling away and withdrawing. Um, Carol Dweck has the growth mindset and the fixed mindset. And I love the concept of it. And if any of our listeners are interested in, in the book, I think it's really great when it comes to learning is a lot of people, including my son right now has a fixed mindset. You learn that you're good at something and things come really easily to you. I think that's what you said is things came easily to you, right? Growing up, Ed. 
Mm. And that you probably put a fair amount of practice into things, but often when things come easy for some, and my son has shown that mathematics and reading have come really easy to him as a five-year-old. And my fear is that he's going to reach a level where he just says, I don't need to work any harder. And when he can't do something, he gets discouraged because he's not Mm -hmm. working really hard for it. And then the growth mindset is the opposite. It's that if I persist and if I practice, if I put the time in, I can get better and there's no ceiling on what I'm able to accomplish. And I'm thinking about this when it comes to marriages that you showed a growth mindset in your ability to overcome odds and in your ability to practice and get better. And I think that I would love for our listeners who feel like they're discouraged, like they're fixed, there's a ceiling on what they're able to accomplish in their marriage, that if you put that small amount of practice in, you can grow and you can accomplish great things, but it doesn't come overnight. This is something that you accomplished in three years. And it was hard work that you put in from five to nine on Fridays. So that's one parallel. And then we, we talk a lot about small things often, which is a Gottman, a Gottman concept, that it's the consistency, the frequency, and the really small things. Like what you were talking about is it's three seconds. That's all you had to shave off was three seconds, whether it be three one-time seconds or three seconds total, that was going to be the difference between you getting beat or you beating somebody else. And that's kind of how marriage is too, is the small things done often and frequently that make the biggest impact over a relationship over time, completely changing the trajectory. Yeah. But I love that story. Yeah. You guys um, that are listening, you obviously you can't see us, but Laura's face is just like riveted (laughs) at story. I actually got kind of hot too listening to it. I have that effect. Um, I, well, what can so, I say? Um, wait, 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 one second. If I was a fighter pilot who then became a marriage therapist and I was giving a talk and I told that story, the lesson that I would draw, as I would say. And so what I want you to understand, folks, is that when you can anticipate the needs of your wife or anticipate the, the move that your partner is going to make and you can get ahead of it by a couple seconds, because, mm-hmm. again, you're building muscle memory around. I know that when she... Um, I know that when, on Friday afternoons at five o'clock, she wants to clock out and needs, needs extra support. When you can learn that quicker and uh, then you're, then you, you actually bring a lot of value into your relationship yeah. by, That's good. by not making her do a lot of work. So uh, I, I, I want to just, I first heard you tell, tell that story. I was like, Oh yeah, I need to do that too. I need to like, remember that I need to get ahead of, get ahead of the game or get ahead of yeah. her so that she doesn't go into those darker places that are, that are tougher. So just to kind of react to what you both just said. So the first thing I'm going to go backwards because Laura, you said two things really Um, well, more than two, but two categories of things. So the first thing is I think, so, so my tendency is the same that you just described, which is when things get difficult, I, I I would just prefer to escape out of it. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? What that means is to be in my office, instead of engaged, that's my tendency. And it's still to this day, because mm-hmm. there's just some times when you're just like, I don't even want to like, this is just another struggle and I'm not up for struggle right now. Mm-hmm. But I think part of the viewpoint, which is extremely powerful is, and by the way, I don't think it was created this way, but this is the world that we live in. Conflict and struggle make us better as a people, as people, as marriage in culture, I mean, right now we're, we're recording this right in the middle of like COVID-19 pandemic on top of like an election year, on top of like the Supreme Court battle and everything in the world right now is like massive struggle. And the fact is 
we need this as a culture right now. And I'm, I'm being hundred percent transparent about what I'm saying here. We, we have, we got complacent as a country and frankly, as a world where we were beginning to get complacent and complacent, there's no innovation with complacency. There's no excitement with complacency. There just is with complacency. And, and all of a sudden the world just totally transformed. And now everybody had to reinvent their business, had to reinvent their communication style. Everybody had to reinvent. And all of a sudden the world woke up out of its stupor and now we're getting better. And I know the results aren't appearing right now. It seems like difficulty, but I'm telling you, if you look back 20 years to this date right now, I can guarantee you we will have made massive leaps in terms of innovation, in terms of business. I can almost guarantee you with 100% um, surety that our government will be completely different 20 years from now. And in a good way, by the way, um, because of what we're experiencing now, because the fact is, Nobody ever changes anything when it's just okay. They change mm-hmm. things when it's really bad. Now, the encouragement mm-hmm. for you guys in marriage and in relationships is like maybe, maybe start to change things when they're okay. You know, like don't wait till they're, you're you're in a, a, a catastrophe a moment, but just understand. I had somebody tell me this, dude, and it blew my mind. I mean, it changed the way I looked at everything. And the person said, you know, when your wife. When, when you're having challenges communicating with your wife, it's only because she's trying to make you better. And I went, mm-hmm. oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Like, if you just think about that, if you just think subliminally, all she's trying to do is make you better, stronger, faster, smarter. Like, like look, when you, that's all that is, is a reframe. But if you look at it that way, it changes everything. And I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm a work in progress when it comes to this stuff still, like I told you, but, but, just thinking about things differently sometimes really does help. Yeah. I I'm 100%. We talk a lot about how as couples therapists, we actually enjoy working with betrayal and affairs because those are the things that absolutely stick a match to your relationship and light it on fire. And that's what shakes couples up. That's the the crisis that comes into the door and says, we can't do this anymore. I refuse to do this. And we're at a breaking point. And mm-hmm. we prefer as couples therapists for there to be realization that this isn't working and we need to shake things up. We, I want to make this better. I want to make, make you better. I want to make the relationship better. But we would prefer that to happen much earlier in the relationship rather than dealing with it retroactively. I'd love to work with it proactively. Um, I love thinking about conflict as a way of making not only you better as a man, but making the entire relationship better. To me, conflict is just a a want, a wish, a need, a desire, a a point of tension in the relationship that says, hey, we're doing this life together. And in order to do it together, I want you to be better. I want this relationship to be better. I want our communication to be better. And that's conflict. And conflict is an absolute amazing thing in relationships because like you said, it just levels you up. Well, I I, I always say that getting into a long-term committed relationship affords you two privileges, two intimacy privileges. And one of them is that I get to sleep with you. And the other one is I get to argue with you. Um, and both of them can be problematic in the workplace, but, but they both can be intimate, particularly if you get good at, um, repair, like repair on the back end of conflict. Okay. I want to say two things. One is, um, how do you like my theory about interviewing people who have jobs and seeing how that job, um, impacts, uh, this is for our listeners, impacts a relationship as we learned from (laughs) the cockpit. Yep. Um, Second thing is uh, I have a hard stop in a couple of minutes. So I want to make sure that we give Ed um, an opportunity to tell to us about how to find you. um, you How can you help people? 
Oh, I like that. And then, uh, Laura, you remember how we end every episode? Oh my gosh. Let's land this plane. Oh, really? Yeah. I like that. I like the land the plane thing. Thank you. Thank Um, you. So really quickly, I'll give you two places you can find me. Number one is my home base website, which is edrush.com. That's just my name, E-D-R-U-S-H.com. Easiest website on planet earth to remember. It's only six letters for crying out loud. So when you go there right on the homepage, there's a place where you can sign up for uh, what I call my weekly flight brief. Um, once a week, I send an email out. It's a nice long one with a lot of resources and uh, usually my thoughts on the time. Uh, this week, by the way, the one that I'm sending out is um, seven different mindset hacks to stay positive in negative times, which is what you need right now. And I can guarantee you when you use one of them, you will be you will go from whatever mood you have to laughing in about five seconds. Mm. That's how quick some of the little tips that I can teach you to do. Um, and you haven't heard of them before and they're a lot of fun. All right, so... Um, so edrush.com is home plate. That's where all my links to my socials are as well. So you can connect home me. Home plate. I see the connection here. Well. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot. Yeah. Okay. Just land the airplane. Um, uh-huh. The other place is if you go to Ed Rush book, which is the second easiest website in the world to remember, it's just my name plus the word book. So edrushbook.com. Uh, you'll see a link to my uh, latest book, which is called 21 day miracle. Uh, it's a book to show you how to get, how to achieve massive results in a really short period of time. Um, I wrote it three years ago. I've sold over 30,000 copies. It was Amazon's number one business book for a while. Um, number 22 book over all books on Amazon at one point. It's fast and it's fun. And I think the latest, I've got it up there for like 99 cents. So, I mean, I put the price as low as I can on Amazon. So if money's an issue, that's for you. Uh, primarily, I work with entrepreneurs. So I work with people who want to change the world. And uh, if you have a mission or a passion or a message or you want to share uh, something with the world or you want to you have a product or service, then that's for you. And that's the place. And I know Zach, you need to go in 40 seconds. So that's about it. That was awesome. I just stalked you on the internet in the last five minutes and it, <laughs> it all looks good. Um, cool. Well, um, thank you, Ed, for joining us. I love talking to you every single time I get to talk to you. It's a pleasure. And I'm glad that I got to share you with my world. Yeah. Thank you, Ed. Thanks for joining us. Thanks guys. All right. And- talk to you later. We're going to land this plane. There we are on an aircraft carrier with lots of sparkles. (laughs) Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Marriage Therapy Radio. And just as a reminder, we are sponsored by BetterHelp. It's B-E-T-T-E-R, help, H-E-L-P. And if you go to betterhelp.com forward slash MTR, you get your first 10% off of your first month. This is a way to contact a therapist in your area and begin working with them, either with individual therapy or couples therapy, um, all virtual. Thanks so much for your time and attention, making your relationship better today than it was yesterday. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.